This is episode number 65. Sure, yeah, happy happy to do so. Thanks for having us. Um, yeah, I think the whole metaverse topic, it's, it's really exciting. And I think even the last weeks, um, and especially since Facebook renamed um, their company, rebranded, I think it's really like a Main Street topic now. Um, but we have anticipated it quite a bit that this will become um, more mainstream topic. And yeah, it's super exciting times for us and also what we have or what our vision is with the new project. Uh, yeah, happy to tell you a bit more about this. The sixth installment of the year in review recording. Another hour of inspiring conversations with speakers from previous podcast episodes and business partners of the hosts. The core questions were, what was hot in 2021? And what are the expectations of our speakers for 2022? As a start into 2022, in January, I will bring the recording live in seven separate episodes that sum up to 7.5 hours of amazing conversations. In this episode, I was talking with Paul Polterauer from Nano Metagames, his co-founder, Philipp Peinsold, also from Nano Metagames, and Markus Raunig from Austrian Startups and the rock star of Future Weekly Podcast. We were talking about NFTs, the metaverse, what Nano Metagames is, use cases for NFT, the Austrian Entrepreneurship Week from Morning Moonshots to Future Weekly, and how the Apple and Spotify podcast algorithms work. Enjoy the show. Let's move on to the next speakers. We have now um, the gamers, I guess, Astrid. We have exactly uh, yes. Now, our... so the whole podcast started today a little bit, you know, with the blockchain theme and Web three and all that, and we spoke just very briefly about NFTs. But yes, apart from institutional players really entering this crypto space, 2021 has surely been sort of the year of the NFT. So very briefly, just NFT stands for non-fungible tokens. So these are unique tokens, can be tied to a digital file, such as, you know, photos or videos. And this year we've see, really seen artists, singers, fashion brands are all entering the NFT space and <clears throat> and selling sort of uh, the, the unique digital objects. We've just recently had the news a few days ago that Nike was buying a digital fashion studio, RTFTK, to also sort of expand on their own metaverse opportunity. And they have actually been one of the uh, first fashion brands to actually file sort of a blockchain-based pattern already years ago before metaverse was already a topic. So it would be quite interesting to see what those guys are also developing. 
And next to this, obviously, blockchain-based games uh, started to come up more uh, frequently in this space, offering new ways to sort of earn income or incentivize players to earn. So I'm really excited to have today Phil and Paul from Meta Nano Games here with us and sort of sharing your view of how you experienced uh, what you've been working on. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. Happy. Happy to do so. Thanks for having us. Um, yeah, I think the whole metaverse topic, it's, it's really exciting. And I think even the last weeks, um, and especially since Facebook renamed, um, their company rebranded, I think it's really like a main street topic now. Um, but we have anticipated it quite a bit that this will become, um, more mainstream topic. And yeah, it's super exciting times for us and also what we have or what our vision is with the new project. Uh, yeah, happy to tell you a bit more about this. So any, any question right away? So <laughs> I will just introduce, uh, you know, this, this whole, um, NFT hype has started with profile pics. I don't know how, how most of the, the listeners here are into, into NFTs and crypto, but this has been the, the non-fungible token hype where you just collect basically profile pics and they are like um, stored in the blockchain. And what people would do then um, show their profile pics on Twitter, on Discord, and just where they would like to present themselves, but they present their real ownership. So it's not just a pic, but they have the ownership on the blockchain with that. And we've seen a lot of hype going on with these profile pictures. Um, just if you think about CryptoPunks or Bored Apes. Um, yeah. So this was the, the hype, I would say, early this year. And um, the next, I think, logical step is that people would not only like to express themselves like on a, on a Twitter account or with a profile pic, but the next logical step for me, and I think a lot of people would agree, is that you put also this ownership into games. Because especially the younger generation, and even myself, spent a lot of time in, in video games and, and online. And this would be just a natural way to express yourself. But it's like um, not just having a copy of something, but really you own something and you can use this identity. Um, basically, in the future, I would see it wherever you like. And the vision you can sum up, it's basically like the movie Ready Player One. <laughs> I mean, this is a bit the direction where we are heading. And um, yeah, I think our project is part of that. So just in a few sentences, what are we doing? Um, we created the Meta Nanos project. You can collect their avatars and then you can join play to earn games, which basically means those avatars have stats, so speed, stamina, and so on. So they're not only looking cool, but they have some, some stats. And according to this, you can participate in races. And if your racer is, your avatar is good, you can really earn money with that. So there's a buy-in and um, 10 people would be allowed to, um, to take part in the race. And then um, this would be generated like with also some random facts, a random generator. And then the best three, for example, will win the whole pot. So actually, if you have a good NFT, a good avatar, you can make money with that. And that's also a very interesting approach, I would say, because it combines like the investing topic also with gamification and, and gaming. Um, and you do not play this game actively. You don't have to steer. It's basically just on the... It's calculated on the stats of your your avatar. That would be there. What was your motivation actually for creating such a game? Um, the motivation. I mean, we 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 entered the 
the blockchain space actively already in 2017. Uh, back then, we created the first cryptocurrency in Austria and, and did the first regulated ICO, uh, probably in the, in the whole European Union. And already back then, um, we were very much into gaming. We created an esports betting platform based on, on smart contracts with Herocoin. The platform was called Herosphere.gg. And every, basically, a lot of people liked the project because they, they were saying like gaming is the future of, of blockchain and gaming will also be the entry to, to main adoption for the, for the blockchain. Because except financing and investing, there was not so much out there. And, but back then, for me, the, how this will happen was very blurry. Everybody had the vision, yeah, gaming will be the mass adaption thing for, for crypto and blockchain. Um, but now the difference is, now I think the, the way to that is very clear, how this will play out, how this can function. So it's already four years gone. And we want to be just on the forefront um, of this because I think this will really change industries and especially the gaming industry and, and also a lot of other industries in the end. And we just want to, um, be part of this exciting uh, movement. I think that's the main, it's it's a thrilling and exciting idea. And yeah, we want to proactively build this landscape and shape it. And can you tell us a little bit more about your gameplay? So you mentioned uh, you have these races that you can raise. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the NFTs are actually integrated or what challenges you're facing there? Yeah, sure. I would just let also Philip speak a bit. <laughs> I talked already um, a lot. <laughs> yeah, of course, I I can do. Um, I mean, it's all a little bit under disclosure <laughs> because we just started. Um, we went live a week week ago with our with our website mitonanos.com and um, with all our social channels. So we are right at the beginning of of our awesome journey. Um, but yeah, of course, uh, we have our roadmap defined. First of all, we will create um, our nanos, which are basically our avatars. They are called nanos. Um, and you can use them to join the games, as, as Paul said. And the interesting thing here is that um, each nano can be interpreted by the game itself. So the nano has... <laughs> You could say a kind of character, um, like, as Paul said, different statistics, um, even some hidden powers, and so on. And each game can interpret this differently, which means that a nano can be good in one game, but um, bad in a different one. Um, but generally said, a nano with really good stats is is the foundation for for success in any game. So the really good nanos will be really in the front uh, in all the games. And from the game play perspective, generally we will mix a little bit the um, game development. Um, we will do it in Unity uh, with blockchain technology, which means that you buy into this game and buy into a slot directly with a smart contract system. But the game itself is calculated on game servers. Um, and then the, the if the game is finished, all the results are transferred back to the smart contract system, which then handles all the payout and so on. So it's a combined system 
of, of gaming servers, smart contracts, and yeah, basically our NFT, NFTs, the Nanos. Sounds exciting. So what are your plans for 2022 for the game or wh when will it be ready for uh, playing? Yeah, if you're, if you're interested into this in detail, then I would advise to go to the homepage, to the website there. The roadmap makes it very clear. But um, to give you an, an overview, um, in early Q1, we start with so-called alpha passes, which is your ticket to early access um, to the Nanos drop. Um, why do we do this? Because we see in the space that often it's pretty hard for investors, for enthusiasts to come into a, such a such a project, right? Because often there is such a hype and and this ends up in gas wars during the mint and you mostly have never a chance to get it. We invented kind of very fair and interesting um, process to get those alpha passes. And it will be a little bit different, but this will be revealed on our social channels in the near future. And after the alpha pass drop, we start our nanos drop in late Q1. And in parallel, we already starting our game development, which means um, that the game, first game for first alpha version should be ready in summer somewhere next year, which is already pretty cool because then you can really play with your nanos and test them there. And there's one missing part maybe, which I need to explain, um, which makes this all a little bit more unique, I would say. Um, because you're not just using your avatar, your nano for the games. You also equip your nanos with different NFTs, which means there could be, for example, a dragon race as game where your nano rides a dragon and the dragon is also an NFT. So you combine your avatar NFT with your equipment NFT to participate in a game. And the combination of those two NFTs gives you strength, weaknesses, power, whatever in the game. And this is a very nice feature of, of this whole universe in MetaNanos. That sounds exciting. I mean, will it also be possible to have sort of tournaments with other nanos that, for example, that you can uh, sort of play for the NFTs of someone else so that you say like, okay, I win now a race and now I get your dragon maybe or something like that? <laughs> this would be really mean. I would say if you can steal the, the avatar of another owner, user, um, this is not planned, actually, but for for people who want to do this, maybe we will implement such a feature one day. Uh, but normally, it should be more like, um, yeah, you win, you you have a buy-in. If you win the race, you you get more out. If you're not winning the race, you, you lose your your buy-in. Um, that's that's probably more likely to be the approach. However, that having said, this is our like the first showcase of this of the system and. The broader view, of course, is to make this avatar, because as far as we can tell now, the community really likes those avatars. We spend a lot of time like in the design and how they look in 3D, um, that you can use this avatar not only in our games, but we try to build them bridges and connections 
to like the biggest metaverses already out there so that you can represent in the end, maybe in Sandbox, Decentraland and so on, to use this avatar even in, in other platforms. And for the game development part, we will also create APIs that also other game developers, whoever likes, even the community, could create mini games where you can use this, this avatar. So we will create the, the showcases, but in the end, where this, where this whole thing goes is, is, is not decided yet and will be also a lot impacted by the, by the community. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. I have one question. I mean, um, the reason why I didn't buy Bitcoin in 2011 was that I missed the game. I heard, I read, uh, I can buy a token. And my first question was, in which game can I use them? And uh, the answer was, in no game. <laughs> There is no game. And finally, the games are coming to the market 10 to 11 years later, which is a great thing. And I'm a passionate, or I was a passionate gamer. Myself, I try to be more serious these days, except a little bit of Clash Royale, except a little bit of Clash Royale. Uh, what I'm interested in is um, this uh, digital space. Is one question: Do you think it will be possible in future to move items between games, uh, not uh, games designed for uh, blockchain technology, but also traditional games like, for example, Clash Royale? that I can use your avatars in Clash Royale or Call of Duty, for example, that uh, I can bring uh, avatars from Call of Duty to your game and also uh, move items around from one game to the other. Is this a possibility or uh, are we too far away from these days? First of all, I, I really appreciate uh, that you're playing Clash Royale. It's, <laughs> it's a really good game and I, I'm, up Absolutely. <laughs> I'm up for a challenge if you, if you fancy. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> super. Do it right after the after the <laughs> after the call. Um, no, but I think this is really possible. I mean, this is obviously a few years in the future, but I think more and more traditional game developers and companies will enter this space. And when they enter, they will try to connect to the community. So this is really likely that the, the bigger, um, let's say, crypto projects, NFT projects, um, get them crossovers, links, um, there will be APIs. I've heard today that Adidas, for example, is um, planning to do something with the board Ape uh, Yacht Club. So this is already happening. I mean, small pieces, but I think the overall vision will be that we see a lot of these AAA games and, and old traditional, let's say old traditional, but traditional um, game developers and even outside the gaming world will try to connect to this to this community and there will be some some crossovers as you said I'm, i'm pretty sure that one day you can use your board ape or even our meta nanos in in really like clash royale maybe yeah why not i mean i just imagine your nanos in a game of call of duty running around 
with with guns. This is some. This is a part that I always missed. I mean, when I think, uh, for example, golf, uh, local golf club, yeah, the local hero. Uh, I think you can even sell the clubs of uh, of a hero that won a tournament with that just in a local community. Um, also, when you look at trading card games, Magic, for example, in real life, it's uh, I think it's possible also to trade the cards when someone used them in a special tournament and uh, people assign value to that. Uh, then it's happening in online gaming. It was not really possible. So I mean, Call of Duty from tournaments, uh, nothing happened basically with that. Is NFT the solution for that? So that uh, any weapon, any item in a game becomes an NFT and is tradable? Yeah, at least. Um... I mean, if you look, where does this all come from, from a technical perspective? Um, I think I am, as a technician, look at those things like in a technical manner. And um, we tried in the past decades to always find a solution to this problem to have ownership in the digital space, right? We tried it in different ways with signatures, with encryption, and so on. But there was not really a, a good um, solution with with mass adoption to it. So now this NFT space, this brings the new possibility to give a normal guy, really simple with just a wallet, the ownership of a digital item. And now I come to what you are saying, the logical consequence of this is that look at digital markets like the gaming market, Look at digital items like all the game items, all the skins and, and weapons and you name it. And now bring this technical possibilities, this technology, this ownership into this massive spaces. Because if we talk about gaming, I mean, we talk about um, one of the biggest markets in, in the world today. So it makes totally sense. And I'm 100% sure that we will see this interoperability between games, between items, and so on pretty soon. This is actually also what metaverse, this, this term means. Yeah, and I think a lot of people would add that we need um, blockchain education, that people would get it, how it works, what it is. I think the, the keyword here is more usability. It needs to be super easy. And when I remember when we started actively 2017, and four years later, it's it's amazing what has changed and how easy some products are ready, um, how easy they are, how easy you can use them. Um, yeah, if the progress goes like that, um, then we have all the amazing advantages that Philip mentioned. But it's just as easy as any other product. Um, and then it's <laughs> then we are set up for yeah something huge. Let um, help me to understand a little bit the NFT space better. So let's uh, stay at this educational level, basic educational level. Uh, when I think back um, 20 years ago, when I bought books, for example, for, for, for my studies or just uh, for recreational purposes, I, I think the price was eight, nine, 10 euros. And when I finished the book, I could sell it pretty easy to friends or family and uh, get some money back. Um, when I look at Kindle, for example, I mean, uh, I buy a copy. It's uh, similar in price than the physical copy. Uh, I get the digital version delivered on uh, my mobile phone or the Kindle app uh, or a physical Kindle. But as far as I know, I can't sell it. So I have it. I have a license. I can use it. But that's it. There's no secondary market uh, attached to that. Uh, I see it similar with, for example, compact discs. 
when I bought the compact disc back in the 90s, I don't know if it was, if it was legal, but I could sell it afterwards. <laughs> I didn't want to listen to it anymore. Uh, looking at the digital version of songs, uh, I mean, Spotify is a little bit different, but basically when I buy something, purchase something, I can't sell it. The same with, is with movies. Can you put everything that exists in the digital world into an NFT and make it tradable so that you say, okay, it's unique or uh, did I miss a key information here? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Money is all around us and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host Matt Heslin brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. There are actually a lot of initiatives to do exactly that. I mean, one of our team members, Andreas Pettersen, very famous in, in the blockchain technology space. Um, he, for example, had a project recently, which is called CryptoWine. And he combines actually real world wine with, with NFTs. And you can trade and buy them and and have ownership of the wine in real world with an nft which is connected to the wine so the, exactly what you are describing is already happening that's pretty amazing it, you can also use it for real world how, how is this how is this working with the wine give a little bit more detail i'm not so into deep into <laughs> the project because it's andrea's project Mm. But as I as I can imagine it, they link um, the wine with the NFT somehow, I must say. Um, and then you can trade the NFT and the wine is um, in a, um, still at a place, not directly at the NFT owner, but he could collect this with the NFT anytime. So this link is the crucial thing, how to link things in real world to the digital world so that means in the wine example for example i mean if you want to invest in wine one of the problems is that you have to store them properly otherwise they can't be destroyed and this is a science by itself i learned from uh people who are proficient in that uh so the nft solves that problem basically it's linked to the wine it's stored in a, in a facility which guarantees that it's stored properly and you can trade then the nft Exactly. You have immediately an uh, access to a marketplace mm. where you can sell it anytime without sending the the wine to the to the buyer. Astrid, what's your perspective on that for real world applications? No, I mean we have seen uh, some interesting ideas uh, among projects that they want to build sort of digital environments or digital shops where you can basically also enter a space and. On the one hand, it's yes, this classical NFT art that you could sort of display there and buy, but that there are also ideas to actually combine it with the sort of traditional Web2 world where you see digital representations of um, the real world items and sort of then you could buy, for example, 
the NFT of a shirt together with the real item. And that would then also be linked for sort of a web shop uh, integration where you can have them both. Exactly. So you can have the shirt in the digital world, but you actually also get it sent in the real world. And I think that could be some interesting applications there in the future, um, especially sort of in this kind of digital fashion space uh, where you can also see that brands are entering the space more and more. Um, initially, they were actually doing this just to get some more brand exposure. But these days, it's really to get sort of a, another business model out of it. So if you have the digital fashion, sometimes it's also connected to the real life world. And this actually makes the NFT actually more valuable. So we have that also, for example, with one NFT artist called um, Tom Sachs, where he also has his rocket NFTs. and But there are also real rockets that he then sort of like, sends up into the air or, you know, stores in museums um, that are also associated to that NFT. And that has made it, the NFTs itself also more valuable. So there's some really interesting um, yeah, application and ideas around this space. Maybe also to add on that, a funny fact, don't forget about the other way around, right? Because currently there are different uh, um, initiatives to bring NFTs to the analog world, right? So there are companies right now which are spinning up. They do like a 3D print of your digital NFT. So it's not just a one direction thing. Um, they, they really are interconnected already. And all the NFT um, enthusiasts out there they also want to have this experience to have something physical in their hands still. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we will see this movement growing in, in the next year. And, and I, I think, think it will. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, no worries. No. I think also so, uh, one thing to highlight also around the NFT space is though that there are still a lot of legal challenges around it as well. Um, so, for example, there's also been recently this uh, uh, case around Miramax and Tarantino, where he also wants to sort of uh, sell uh, parts of the, his script as NFTs. And then there's also a discussion around copyright or what does an NFT really represent? Is it because it's new, you know, that we are used to having, as you said, uh, Christian, you had the CD, it was physical, it was used and you give it away. But now you have the digital sphere, you know, and it's sort of new also to lawyers. How how do you assess sort of a used digital good, for example? But I see Matthias also wants to say. Yes, I have a bit of a different approach and, and uh, different history in mind when I look at NFTs. So because they are they are not novel, they're nothing new. So if we look at um, the history of cryptocurrencies, this was um, um, very early introduced already in the age of Bitcoin. When we look at colored coins, the concept of colored coins is, is uh, from 2012. And essentially, the, the, the traces of NFTs can be looked uh, up back then in, the, in this idea of, of colored coins. Um, so um, there's a lot of interesting aspects, in my opinion, to NFTs, because Bitcoin is also, is also called... Uh, Non-fungible, if you remember, because there's a, um, um, different, um, aspects of Bitcoin that make it, uh, that make not a Bitcoin, uh, being exchangeable to another Bitcoin because of, um, the whole transaction, uh, history of it being linked to it. So I'm particularly, um, interested in NFTs as well, but more from, uh, from the technical concept of it. So I see a lot of potential in, in different things, which is beyond gaming and which is beyond the, 
um, the original scope um, that is gaming now, which is obviously uh, a hype field. And I, I see that you guys are really uh, super excited also about the project, which is also exciting to see and which is great. I think though that um, looking at NFTs, we should look at the broad scope. So if you know um, ENFs, for example, Ethereum name system, um, in my opinion, it's a very tangible and, and, and very useful um, um, context for NFTs, which is um, domains. So domains is something, domains are something which, which shouldn't be fungible. And at the same time, um, I see a lot of interesting projects which are um, outside of the gaming space where this becomes relevant. Um, so data, for example, or anything that shouldn't be or can't be really fungible by nature. So um, while I like the hype about the gaming and this aspect, um, I also want to emphasize that NFTs can be used for so much more than than for you know like um, trading uh, and for, for for game characters and avatars. And um, although there was the, the general hype um, introduced by uh, board apes and so on, I think the um, the nature um, of it um, makes it uh, interesting in a, in a broader token economic uh, sense, and we can actually see and will see. A lot of different applications um, beyond gaming, in my opinion, especially in 2022. There's already a few interesting projects uh, on the horizon globally. And I think um, gaming may be, as you uh, rightfully stated, uh, be the driver for, for this. This is, uh, this is true because it, it's actually, in a way, um, very uh, tangible for a lot of our cultures um, from uh, community sector and from, from, from the gaming culture. Um, in a way, um, what I see is that the, the gaming uh, sector as such is very, very hard to crack um, um, or to, to um, somehow include into the crypto sector. Um, you have maybe looked at that uh, and you have seen this in the media, but, but there was recently um, a huge uproar in the community of Gold Dragon, uh, where the company tried to, to um, utilize and make the whole game available via NFT, like uh, in-game items, you can, uh, trade items, you can rent items and so on. And the community revolted. So there was a massive uh, shitstorm actually in the news in the past days. I was um, following this a little bit and I'm seeing a lot of um, anti-crypto sentiment. This is interestingly uh, in my research um, going as far as that is um, affecting um, also like the general landscape of crypto. So you see on the one hand, the absolute pro-crypto uh, um, people. And I um, can actually substantiate this a little bit with a quote that I got from a newsletter um, today. Let me just find it. So um, there has been some, it's a quote from a, a newsletter, which is called a Platformer. Um, and here's a um, quick quote from it, from um, uh, describing the situation and the sentiment of uh, blockchain in Silicon Valley. So uh, I'm here uh, quoting um, Casey Newton, uh, who is uh, doing this newsletter. So he says, like, pro and anti-crypto fractions harm into place, setting up a long-term religious war over the potential perils of blockchain. Um, so much money is now invested in what enthusiasts call Web3, that its runway now lasts well into the latter half of the decade. Nevertheless, smart skeptics continuously draw attention to the blockchain's terrible interface, user experience, platform, uh, performance, costs, utility scams, and environmental impact, to say nothing of the risk of speculative token purchases. At the same time, so much time, money, and talent is working on this project that it seems inevitable they will leave behind something useful. This year, we saw video games to, pay it, to play them, attempts to disintermediate big record labels and a flurry of experiments in governance that led to nearly successful attempts to buy the constitution. In this case, they're referring to constitution now, obviously. Among other things, um, next year, I expect to see lots more uh, uses of NFT that go beyond art speculation, think NFTs that give you access to virtual physical spaces, think uh, uh, POAPs, 
also think um, about viral DAOs that start off with jokes and then do extremely weird and hopeful cool things. So I think um, having said that, um, Astrid was already referring to that. So there is a lot of um, um, movement already in the DAO um, area. Are you guys planning to to also extend your your business structure? To Matthias, 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 sorry, I uh, have to intervene here. We have the next yes. speaker waiting, okay. <laughs> waiting, waiting outside. We have a lot more to talk in the NFT space, and I would recommend that we aim for a podcast episode around the space to dig a little bit deeper. Sure. Uh, we have one minute. Uh, one final remark from you both, Paul and Philip. Uh, what's your outlook for 2022? One point, one sentence. <laughs> I think it will be a very interesting way also in when you think about COVID. But for our topic, I think um, for NFT, this will be uh, very, very interesting and also positive uh, year. So I'm looking forward to, to the next year. <laughs> Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Coaching Conversation 2024. This podcast is 100% dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area. We work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees. This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligent strategies to help leaders Drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. Yeah, from my side, I totally agree. I think we will hear the the buzzword metaverse nearly everywhere. Um, and yeah, besides the, the big metaverses we have already, um, we hopefully hear now and then the name Metananos besides them. Philip, Paul, and Astrid. Uh, Astrid, thank you very much for inviting Philip and Paul to this interesting uh, talk. Uh, we should definitely catch up and follow up. I wish you, Paul and Philip, uh, and your teams and your families all the best for 2022. And a happy and Merry Christmas. Thanks. Likewise. Thanks. You too. Let's move to the next speaker. It's one of the superstars of the Austrian startup scenes, scene um, from Austrian startup. Now we have Markus Raunig, and he's also uh, a very successful podcast host here in Austria. And he should hopefully be online now as a panelist. Markus, good to see you. Hi, Christian. Thanks for the very, very kind words. <laughs> Way too <laughs> kind. <laughs> How are you doing? Fine. Uh, busy as always in the pre-Christmas period, but, but generally all, all good here. How are you guys? I'm fine. I'm curious. What? How was your 2021? Oh, um, quite intense, but also quite rewarding. So a lot of the projects we've been pushing for for years now, and with, with very little success, somehow came to came to some fruitions this year. And, and mainly, I mean, the, the probably most well-known one is this entrepreneurship week that that mm -hmm. we have in around seventy schools now, 
and that's been something uh, that took a very long time, but it's now very cool that it's actually happening. Can you tell a little bit more about this entrepreneurship uh, week? What are you doing with that? Mm -hmm. So at Austrian Startups, we always say our, our vision is that entrepreneurship becomes as common as skiing in Austria. And if you look at the history of skiing, then most of our success in this space is, is in some way connected also to the, to the fact that especially in the 70s and 80s in Austria, every, every child went through a school skiing course. It doesn't mean that everyone got a professional skier, but everybody had the chance to try it. And uh, that's what we want to replicate for entrepreneurship. Uh, we want to organize one-week project weeks where um, yeah, pupils can try out uh, realizing their own ideas, recognizing problems as opportunities, building prototypes, learning to, to build business models and, and to pitch them. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much the concept. We're doing that together with the Initiative for Teaching Entrepreneurship. And, and uh, the, the funding comes from two ministries, the, the digital ministry and the, the education ministry and uh, the WECA or the Wirtschaftskammer. Um, so it's a pretty broad initiative that was necessary. If, if you really want to have an impact here, it's, it's super helpful to have that institutional buy-in also and to have the access to the schools here. Congratulations. It's uh, a great project, I think, to plant the seed of entrepreneurship very early uh, in the kids and make them aware of this possibility. It was different uh, back in the 80s when I was in school. I mean, my access point were computer games, since we were talking about NFT games before. Uh, but in school, outside commercial schools, there was nothing, uh, nothing about entrepreneurship. In which schools do you, uh, let's say, host or uh, organize your week? Mm -hmm. uh, in, in all schools that are in the age group 15 to 19 at the moment. Um, so AHS, HTL, HAC, uh, pretty much those at the moment. We are also thinking about going through or going towards um, Lehrberufe also, so to get Lehrlinge mm -hmm. in there. And we are also thinking about going um, uh, to, to younger Um younger people so to the Unterstufe so the 10 to 14 year olds where we also believe there's already a lot of potential mm -hmm. and you have a second project uh, where uh, I got to know you it's your podcast so um, I think it, it wasn't the original name Moonshots I guess uh, I remember it right yes. and then then you changed the name but I always forget it what is the name of your podcast the, the podcast now is called Future Weekly Mm -hmm. And yes, we started as, as morning moonshots, but we got actually yeah. a, a copyright, uh, a copy, oh. <laughs> copyright, uh, yeah, sue because of it. So, so we had to change it. <laughs> uh, can, can you, can, uh, can titles be copyrighted of podcasts? Yeah. I mean, I, I think if we really would have pushed it through to a, to a legal case, we probably would have come out on top because I'm, I'm, pretty skeptical that you can protect the word moonshot because it's too generic to be protected. Mm -hmm. But yes, that was pretty much the gist. And for us at the beginning, it was very much like, okay, let's not go there with all the hassle. Uh, I'm sure we, we find another good name. And that's how we came up with, with Future Weekly, which pretty much describes what we're doing. We're discussing on a weekly basis about um, the future, looking at actual, like current current affairs, current happenings from an angle of the future. And that pretty much is it, yeah. 
I'm curious to learn from your experience with podcasts. I think you have uh, episode number 127 or something uh, uh, online currently. So it uh, must be more than two years uh, of podcasting. Uh, what is your experience with podcasts? What did you learn with that tool? Um, yeah, it was indeed a real learning experience for us because we we started it really as a try because Daniel and, and me, we are bo both in the board of Austrian startups and we had these weekly calls where we would just talk about things that are happening and we would update ourselves and talk about uh, the gossip, but also the, the interesting developments. And uh, at some point, Daniel actually said, okay, why don't we just uh, put that online somewhere? I'm sure there's value in for, for, for other people. And I was To, to be honest, a bit skeptical that anybody would be interested in it, um, but but it turned out that actually right from the beginning we we had uh, a lot of interest in it, and, and very early also managed to rise in the in the Apple Podcast charge, which which indeed also helped us. So with Apple, it's very much the growth rates are are the interesting part, how they they manage their their rankings. So being at the top of the rankings then helps you again find find more listeners. And uh for for me it was really interesting how how much of a close relationship you build with your listeners. Mm -hmm. So it's a very intense medium. That means that it it really feels like you are having a constant dialogue with the hundreds of thousands of people that are listening to your podcast. And, and that's different to, I don't know, writing maybe a blog post somewhere or, or having a short short uh, piece of, of, of content somewhere, which is much less uh, in-depth. And with that, you really have the feeling that um, you can have an impact because people take an hour of their time to listen to you. So that means there's a lot of possibilities to to convince them to to also shape um, what they are thinking. And for us, that that really was visible in in some elements. Also, I would say in the in the political landscapes where we discussed things in the podcast, and two weeks or a month afterwards, suddenly they appeared in in the political discussion, and and it became more and more apparent that just people were listening to us and that's a way for us to influence proceedings also there. I agree with that. I think it's amazing uh, how we can add value today, how we can, uh, how, it, how simple it became to just record conversations and put it online and uh, somehow the information finds the right listener and adds value as the same. I mean, when you hear them, uh, your, your quotes or what you point out in political discussions, I think it's a huge success. Uh, talking about success, what were the three successes with your podcast that stand out in your mind? That's a good question. Um, I think one one thing that I'm proud of is is the continu uh, continuity that we have in it. Um, I think you really need that regularity in there, and, and that you keep doing it. And and we have by now a, a really a stable and and very reliable base of of listeners that. I think is super valuable and in that sense is a small community that that has been a big success for us. We are also now uh, building more and more this connection between um, this community and Austrian startups. So we set up a Discord channel uh, a few weeks ago where 
we set it up for the Future Weekly community, but more and more also people from the broader Austrian startups community are getting in there and now discussing about finding co-founders or having certain marketing or tech questions. So uh, I think it was also a, a good um, angle, a good wedge in, into this format of, of, of starting discussions where, where we, okay, in the podcast, we give maybe the initial um, like an initial primer, but then actually the community takes this discussion further. And I think that that is also a big success. And um, yeah, probably to be fair, we were very happy when we had this um, and now and then we managed that, that we are number one in the, in the Apple podcast charts. And that's obviously something we're proud of and, and happy when it happens. <laughs> Congratulations. Huge success. I'm uh, curious into the point that you mentioned around Apple podcast charts, you said that it helps to attract more listeners. Uh, how does that work with the Apple charts? Mm -hmm. So what my, um, my learning was pretty much, we were really early. Like I think after three weeks or so of having the podcast, we were already number three in technology in Austria. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. five weeks later, we were the first time on, on the first place. And what, what, I'm pretty convinced by now is that Apple is not ranking you by absolute numbers, but more by new new listeners, by um, ratings, by um, reviews. They have a, a special algorithm so that it makes it completely possible. Also, if you have a new podcast and only have not too many listeners yet, um, if if you manage to have a steep growth rate, then then you will be high on these rankings. And the Spotify charts, that's completely different. I think Spotify seems to me very much linear. And also, I think they are not ranking by episode, but uh, on on an uh, like if you are, have a, a daily podcast, I think that's a huge advantage in the rankings mm -hmm. for for Spotify. So it's, they just add up probably all the downloads of the week. But it means that uh, those charts, so Spotify and Apple, then push the content further. So when they see a new um, podcast appearing on the scene, they also then help the podcasters, if they continue working on that, to reach more listeners. Did they get the right picture from that? Exactly. I mean, that's also in some way a virtual cycle, because obviously if, if you have an episode that attracts new listeners, then it will push up um, in the rankings. In the rankings themselves, people will see it and say, okay, what's that? I didn't know that. So they will click on it and then hopefully uh, stay with you as a listener also afterwards. And then there's a, a second virtuous cycle, I think, that appears from that because for sure, if you're number one in the rankings, then you can promote with that. So you can share your enthusiasm about it. And again, that then shows your your contacts that might have not listened to it yet. Mm -hmm they will maybe come to the conclusion, okay, it seems to be really good. Uh, it's not just uh, bullshit what they're talking about. Maybe there's some real quality in there. Um, and, and that will attract some, some others and again, push you in the ranking. So in some way, if you manage to get this virtuous cycle going, I think uh, it can be, can be very valuable. And eventually we all end up like Joe Rogan. <laughs> so in the end of the day. It's <laughs> still a long way. <laughs> yeah, that's especially true. as the Austrian market is 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 just not so big. I, I think, think he's I think he's doing that now for 14 years or something like that. Yeah. So it's really I think two or three episodes per week. So it's a hardworking guy. Uh Markus, many thanks for your explanation. I have one final question. What is your outlook for 2022? Open question. <laughs> <laughs> um I mean, from 
from a podcasting perspective, I'm I'm super curious to see how this uh, Discord community will um, will evolve and how much this is, can also be something that again creates another virtuous cycle. Um, so we will definitely invest some time into that. From an Austrian startups perspective, I think that uh, we are super excited now next to the entrepreneurship week in schools. We also have this entrepreneur leadership program, which is a high potential program for people uh, who are a bit further along already. So usually students or young professionals who want to um, yeah, start a career in the entrepreneurial ecosystem. So either start, start their own business or um, work in the, the startup ecosystem. And we we actually mentor them for a year with some workshops, with a personal mentor, with some discussion evenings, with projects that they they do together, and it's also a way to to find co-founders. And um, this has been running now for four semesters, and now we start seeing all the different alumni that actually start their their startups or that actually not just start the startups but are already successful with the startups. So just in the last week we we had three startups that came from the EOP that that got investments, one actually from the N26 founders, um Beatvest. So that's really something I'm looking forward to next year that we see many more of of, of such success cases. And uh yeah, it will be also an interesting environment, I think now with you know the um Corona crisis um, at an inflection point, and, and in some way also the um, yeah the Feds who are thinking about um, pushing a bit the um, yeah the environment and making that a bit tighter. I think uh, will be interesting how that also has an effect on on the startup scene. So I, I have a feeling that we might also see a change in the macro environment. Maybe starting in in America and in, in in Great Britain, but this will sooner or later also arrive on in Europe. I feel it, I believe. Yeah, I agree with that reversal to the mean would be great for normal life. So going a little bit back to normal would be helpful. Mm -hmm. um, Markus, thank you very much for being part of today's show. Uh, I wish you and Daniel all the best with your podcast and uh, also with your other activities. And I hope we can catch up soon. All the best for 2022 and a happy and merry Christmas. Thanks for having me. Merry Christmas to you too. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.